It's like, are we too lazy to put peanut butter and jelly separately on our bread nowadays? Like, what is wrong with kids nowadays? <laughs> Program mode and gogurt. Yeah. yeah, yeah Spoiled little yeah, bastards. Yeah, yeah. With with TTL flash metering and their yeah, gogurt. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a manual camera and a spoon, mister. Yes. Uh, so it's uh, it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday, gang. And uh, and uh, it's it's on taking pictures. I sound a little a little odd because I'm using uh, I'm using this little Zoom H2 because uh, I'm not home. I'm I'm up in Portland as we speak. Away from home. Away from home. I know. And I forgot my favorite jammies. Um, pretty drive. Nice drive. Long. I can imagine. Long drive. Did you take uh, pictures? I took many pictures. I've I've been I've been posting them to the Instagram. Oh, I got to go check that out. Yeah, um, uh, we we stopped in this little town called Willows, and there's this little airport cafe there that had the 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 best Cobb salad I've ever had in my life, and it was giant. I mean, this thing was it was huge. So, okay. Willows, California. I think it's uh, Nancy Mays, Mary May, Nancy Mays. Is this a fresh? Um Fresh ingredients because it's in the isn't that around the place where you would get fresh stuff? You should be able to. There's a lot of farm community there. I don't know though, but it was it was it was damn tasty. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, so so it is on taking pictures. It is uh, it is Tuesday. We're talking about creativity. We're talking about photography. Photographers. Um, my name is Jeffrey Sidoris, and and with me uh, the the goober grape fan <laughs> Bill Wadman. <laughs> Is that going to make it into the show? Our discussion about peanut butter and jelly. I think that might be the opening. Yeah, that's right. uh, you know can't go wrong. Otherwise, that, that my little intro is not going to make much sense. <laughs> uh, we'll worry about that later. Um, right. So, so we have a lot of stuff today. Uh, although we're probably this is probably going to end up be a slightly shorter show than normal, but uh, but we got plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh, I had a. A few things in the notes from last week that that we didn't get around to because we were running a little long, so I pushed it to this week. Uh, talk about finding finding meaning in art, right? And, and, yes. and finding meaning in, in how we work and stuff. And and I put a few, I, co- I put a couple links in the show notes uh, that 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 we were talking that I looked through, and there was a there was a memo that David Mamet, who's a screenwriter, if you didn't know that, uh, who you know wrote a billion things, uh, uh, wrote. To all the members of the, I guess it was a writing team. He was working on the the TV show The Unit. Yep. Which which I had never seen. Do you ever watch that show? I've seen two episodes. Was it good? Uh, yeah. If you like that genre of of uh, you know show, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of comparisons. I, I read afterwards because I was like, well, okay, what's what's the takeaway from this? And a lot of people were comparing it to The Wire. Okay. Um, which you know, that's another one of those shows that is so polarized in, in whether you love it or you hate it. I watched the, wire, the first, yeah. yeah, I watched the first few episodes and it just, it didn't grab me and, and everybody was like, Oh, you gotta go back and watch it again. You really gotta try it. So, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, I, 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 I typically like these kinds of shows. Yeah. And so I guess he, you know, he was writing a lot of it and then there was a team coming in and writing a lot of it and it, a very, it was a very complicated show, uh, you know, a lot of characters, lots of information that had to get uh, transmitted over, over the, over the words. And right. he wrote this big, long uh, memo all in caps, which I'm not going to read here. I'll put it in the link in the show notes, but 
Yeah, all in, he went all Kanye West on him, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did. But but it was about. I mean, he there were certain words that he highlighted that he he put in bold in 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 the uh, in this memo, and he's talking about drama versus non drama, and talking about having uh, uh, characters in exposition. If there's a third character in the scene, do they need to be there? You know, and it comes down to, he says, so we as writers must ask ourselves of every scene, these three questions. One, who wants what? Number two, what happens if, if her don't get it? And number three, why now? Like, you know, these sort of like rule based artistic stuff, right? Um, do you, there are certain situations when, you know, even in photography, we talk about the rule of thirds. We talk about, you know, uh, uh, lighting like old paintings. We talk about all these things that, 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 that we tend to use as sort of shorthands for what is good. You know, mm-hmm. um, do you think that the, are those useful or are those distractions is, is part of, I, I think I it depends. It depends on the type of photography. Yeah. If, if you are, you know, making snapshots or, or even to a certain extent, if you're shooting, you know, certain types of street photography where, where the rule is kind of get the shot, you know, and, and, and it, the shot creates its own story, drama, et cetera. Um, But I think that there are, I, I think this is a great memo to read for, for all creatives, because it really gets you thinking about, you know, does this element whether it's a block of color or a block of negative space or a piece of typography or a subject or a light or whatever, does it need to be there? And it yep. gets you thinking about the intent and the purpose behind the work that you're trying to create rather than just snap, snap, snapping willy nilly. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a part in this where, you know, he, he keeps answering all these rhetorical questions, figure it out, mm-hmm. you know, don't know how to say it. We'll figure it out. You know, like uh, need 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 a way to get in this piece of information or this character or change this thing around. Well, just figure it out. And and I like I like this this sense of uh, the, the the only way to answer the question of how to do it is to do it. You know, as right. uh, as as a friend of Heather's once said, it's an old you know the old uh, Vermont saying. The only, the only thing between doing it and uh, the, the only difference between thinking it and getting it done is doing it. Sure. <laughs> and, and sometimes like, that's what it is, right? It's like you, you, we can think about this 26 times till Sunday and we can follow the rules and we, we you know, we could do all the stuff. There was a, there was a, a podcast that I listened to the other day on, that I listened to on screenwriting, uh, that my friend Claude, no, was it my friend Claude who turned me onto it? Uh, somebody was telling me about this, this screenwriting, uh, uh, show that I've sort of gotten into uh, called. And let me just pull it up so I'm not uh, talking out my butt. Uh, and and it's these two guys, and all they do is discuss like uh, they're they're big they're screenwriters who you know work in Hollywood and have worked on a bunch of stuff you've heard. But it's called Script Notes. Uh, John August and Craig Mazin. And in this last week's episode, they talked about uh, they pulled up some of those sort of you know rules for writing a good screenplay the, the you know the penultimate moment should happen on page 90 you know like those sort of mm-hmm, uh, you mm-hmm. know the end of act one has to have the goal of the protagonist you know defined or whatever whatever the you know the the rules were and almost all of them they were like no well it might be but no you know like that these are not rules these are 
vague guidelines that are often broken successfully, you know? Well, I, th- I think that there are, like, as I said, there are some great things in here. Yeah. Uh, there, there, there's a, a paragraph like someone has to make the scene dramatic. It's not the actor's job. The actor's job is to be truthful. It's not the director's job. His or her job is to film it straightforwardly and remind the actors to talk fast. It's your job. So br- bringing it back around to, to yep. photography and art, start thinking about those things. You can't blame the subject. You can't blame the lights. At some point, you've got to blame you. Yep. That you didn't see it. You didn't capture it. You didn't frame it. Whatever it is. Yeah. And to your point about the rules, uh, I, I watched um, an interview. Eddie Van Halen did an interview with uh, the Smithsonian. Wait, are we talking about Van Halen like two shows in a row? Two shows in a row. But this okay. is this is <laughs> after last week's show. I went and watched this. OK. Um, and it's it's a it's like an hour long interview. And he was talking about that that sort of hammer on kind of technique that, yeah. that he may or may not have developed. And, and he himself really doesn't care whether he developed it or not. He just did it. And, you know, so, so bringing this back around to rules, yeah. you know, he, he said that I had to get all this stuff out of my guitar. I had to get these different sounds out of my guitar because I couldn't afford the pedals that everybody else was using to get the sounds out of their guitars. Yeah. So I had to, to sort of break the conventions, the rules, and do it my own way. Right. And as a result, there was this whole new form of harmonics that had to be, you know, developed and designed and 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 uh, yeah. utilized to describe what he was playing because before him it just didn't exist. Right. The, the limitation is what let him break out of the limitations. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah. so I think this this memo can speak. Um, to not go either way. You, yeah, you could look at it literally, but you could also look at it as a an example of how not to do what you want to do in some sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he is Mamet is obviously a very rigorous writer. You know, a very yes. uh, structured writer. Um, and it's so so it's it's you know he, it's it's almost to the point where you could imagine him reading somebody else's screenplay and and you know yelling at him like you know why is this one line in here at all and but then you watch a mammoth show and i mean you know glengarry is is one thing because that's you know kind of off off the off the hook or or uh state in maine which is one of my favorite movies um one of the great throwaway lines of all time which one when uh when when the car goes flying by and and you get in the accident and baldwin gets out and he's like well that happened Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, and now yeah. there's no exposition. There's yeah. no nothing. It's just yeah. this sort of brilliant line. He, he he doesn't want to work out with the high school kids. Like, send him his weights. Oh, how much could they weigh? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's a good movie. <laughs> um, so it's so yeah. I just I found this I just found this fascinating because I think there's a certain time and place in any artistic endeavor, and certainly in photography, where you've got a camera. You've taken some pictures. You're happy with those pictures, but you're trying to figure out how to get to the next level. And for a lot of people, that ends up being a question of, all right, I'm going to ask people what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not supposed to do. And I'm going to not do the things they say don't do. And I'm going to do more of the things they say do do, you know? Sure. And, and, but, but I don't know. I think that that is a transitionary 
motive. You know, like that that's not a that's not that's not any place to stop. That's a place to get through on sure, on, on sure. the way to to where you want to go. You I know? would suggest more focus on intent and less on rules. Yeah, you know, there, there's a there's another little blip in here. You might have to bleep this, but uh, he, he writes, do not write a crock of shit. Write yeah. a ripping three, four, seven minute scene which moves the story along and you can very soon buy a house in Bel Air and hire someone to live there for you. <laughs> so, I, I, again, it comes back to intent. Don't just point the camera in the general direction of the subject and hold the shutter button down and yeah. hope that your 17 frame per second yeah. capture is going to yield something cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. focus on the moment, focus on the space, focus on the subject matter, focus on what you're trying to say and then make the picture. Yeah. You know, the, the, uh, the it's also interesting to me the, these, you know, he's writing, uh, I, I went last week and I saw, uh, Samuel Beckett play Endgame, mm-hmm. which I talked to you a little bit about. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're, you're not a fan of the theater, the absurd at all. <laughs> no, it, it, it grates my sensibilities in many right. ways. Is that, is that right. fair? Sure. Uh, um, it's just, it, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, what they're trying to say is everything and everything that is meaningful. But in order to do that, they're speaking a whole lot of, they're not really saying anything, but trying to say everything in the absence of anything, you know, in some weird ways. You see what I'm trying to get at? I think it's fair. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it it evolved out of, out of, you know, the existentialism of, of Sartre and Camus and, and, you know, uh, Eugene O'Neill. And, and I think Beckett just took it even further. You know, he he uh, went down the line, (laughs) uh, not O'Neill. I'm sorry. uh, Inesco. Okay. Um, But yeah, I think Beckett just took it, you know, way way out there and for yeah. a lot of people they just kind of went okay what what am i watching here yeah yeah well here's what, so, what is the what is the what is the motive here what is the message here well the the reason i bring this up is that the the the, the set of the play if you haven't seen it uh is is a is a there's four characters there's a there's a guy sitting in a chair who's blind who can't get up who's sort of like the main guy he has his assistant who can't sit down and just does whatever the guy in the chair says. And then his father and his mother both live in trash cans and just pop their heads up every once in a while to, to throw a few lines. And uh, it's very simple. And there's like two windows is I think the only stage direction, like two windows for the guys to look out. And apparently at some point in 1984, uh, the American Repertory Theater in uh, – uh, repertory theater in Cambridge did a production with music with Philip glass. Uh, and they set the whole thing instead of in this like barren room in a derelict subway tunnel. Mm-hmm. Right. So Beckett still alive at the time, right before he died, s- uh, issued uh, settled with them out of court uh, through an agreement. Cause he hated the idea of setting it in a subway tunnel and he made them insert into the program this little, this like, you know, five sentence little disclaimer. And it says any production of end game, which ignores my stage directions is completely unacceptable to me. My play requires an empty room with two small windows. The American rep theater production, which dismisses my direction is a complete parody of the play as conceived by me. Anyone who cares for the work couldn't fail to be disgusted by this. (laughs) Harsh. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. And the reason, the, the reason I bring this up is that, you know, we make these things and we, we, often think of them as sort of our children, 
you know? Sure. Like I made this thing and it, and it means something to me because this is an embodiment of what was going on in my head while I made it. Sure. And any sort of distortion of that view, be it somebody, you know, taking a picture of mine and sticking some words underneath it to make some meme like happened a couple of years ago or, or what have you, uh, instead of it being, you know, uh, something new that somebody added onto it in the, in the greater world of art and photography, uh, we tend to become defensive and angry that it's not what we thought it was, what we said it was, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in this, in this, in this case, uh, you know, okay. So Philip Glass did the music and it was in a derelict subway tunnel. It was still his words, you know, like at what, at what point does nothing took away the fact that somebody could do the play exactly how he suggested it be done in the book, you know? Is that actually offensive that they did something different or is that him holding on too tight and we all need to learn how to let go a little bit, you know? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's certainly his, his right, I yeah, guess. He has the right to get, make a stink about it. You know, I mean, is it any different than using pop songs to sell soft drinks or sneakers? Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of it happens sort of post-mortem when it's no longer the artist that controls. Uh, and again, a lot of it happens while the artist is alive, but but yeah. there are many cases where it happens post-mortem where the, the estate is controlled by someone else. And you have to wonder, you know, would, I don't know, insert artist here, would, would John Lennon want to sell, you know, Mountain Dew Code Red? I don't yeah, know. Or, or Revolution to Nike or whatever it was, right? Right, was right, right, right. One. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, okay, let me ask you a question. When you make your paintings or record your podcasts, do you feel, how protective of them are you? I mean, not from a monetary sense, but from an artistic sense, you know, let's remember when we were talking about Rauschenberg taking the, uh, de Kooning and erasing yes. it. Okay. If someone bought one of your paintings for the money that you asked for it, and their intent was to deconstruct it. Mm -hmm. Would you have a problem with that? Nope. Yeah. Okay. No, because in, in that transformation, something else will emerge. What if, they, what if they wanted to take it and put it, light it on fire? Uh, if, if, if that's what you want to do with it, that's... Okay. Okay. So you, you don't have any like, uh, familial attachment to it? No, no. I think any... Well, not anything, but the things that I've made so far, my attachment is is to the process of making them. Once yeah. they're done, once they're and and done is in. I'm I'm making air quotes here. Once they're done, I I I like to look at them. But if if somebody were to purchase something or or just even made the case that hey, I really want this. I can't afford to buy it, but I want to do this, and yeah, here's what yeah. I want to do with it. I'd probably say, okay, well, I'll send it to you, you know, yeah, cover yeah. the shipping and I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah. Um, because the, the, I don't know what's going to come out of it and maybe they see something in it that I didn't. And yeah. maybe I would be amazed and moved and, and affected in a different way by what they did with it than what I could do with it. Yeah. It, 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 it's fascinating to me, this, this knife's edge between caring enough to, to add meaning to it, but, Caring, caring a little enough that you can let it go. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? 
Like I feel like that's that's where successful uh, creativity lives. You know. Well, okay. Here's a question. Don't okay. don't you when you make a photograph? Yeah. And you start post processing it. Yeah. Aren't you in some way destroying the original? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Aren't aren't you in some way altering what you saw? In yeah. Your, in your sure. in your physical eye to make it match what you saw in your mind's eye. In my mind's eye, yes. But at least in in that situation, that's that's me doing it, and the initial capture is just step one of the process, right? Sure, but I, I guess um, my point is everything is transformative. Abs- absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if yeah. and if a if if a different meaning can come out of it, whether it's greater or, or lesser, that's, that's maybe not for us to say, but if, you know, going back to, to what you asked about my paintings, if, if, if a different, if a transformation can yield to something different that I hadn't seen before, yeah, then gosh, I think that's terrific. I like yeah. that. I wonder, I wonder if you took a poll of the top 50 playwrights, you know, of the 20th century and mm-hmm. asked them a similar question to this, what happened with this Beckett, performance Mm -hmm. Uh, would would they be married to stage it this way yeah or would they say oh that's really interesting that you you know turned you turned you took a right hand turn and it actually it made it even more meaningful or or that's perfectly within your right as director to to say what that is i mean even in even in the mammoth thing where the the quote you read about it's not the director's job to this it's not the actor's job to that I bet you if you asked directors and actors, they would say that's exactly their job. You know, I, I would agree with that. So it's, it's, it's fascinating that we all take on, we all think our part of whatever we're doing. And this goes for making photographs. This goes for, you know, relationships, whatever it is, life. We always think that our piece of the puzzle is the most important. Uh, we can. Sure. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I just but, find but again, find you, that you never know. You never know how it's going to turn out. I mean, one yeah. of my favorite playwrights. It's kind of weird that we're talking about playwrights. Anyway, one of my favorite playwrights is uh, a guy called Sam Shepard, who okay. is also an actor. Uh, but I, I've seen uh, multiple productions of of his plays. I've seen Buried Child a few different times. I've seen Cowboy Mouth a few different times. I've seen Geography of Horse Dreamer, uh, Fool for Love, and and though they have all been staged differently that staging somehow brings something else out of it it's the same words right yeah yeah Yeah. but if if you see i don't know john malkovich play character x and then you see gary sinise play character character x right you're going to get two different things about it so again uh, yeah How, how does how does mark knopfler feel about the amy ray version of romeo and juliet yeah, I mean, did, you know. did, where's the wherever there can be transformation, there will be transformation, and yeah, and yeah. and it sometimes it happens for the better, sometimes it happens for the for the for the worst. Yeah. But I I am a fan of, and maybe it's kind of where I'm at right now, where I'm 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 trying to embrace transformation in my own life and trying to embrace uh, looking at things differently than I have before. Um, but. I, I, I think the bulk of this comes down to, to intent, to purpose. What are you, what are you trying to say? Yeah. You know, not, not to sort of belabor the storyteller label, but, 
but what's the story you're trying to say with your photos? What's the story you're trying to say with your, with your art, with your yeah. writing, with, yeah. with whatever it is? Yeah. You know, what are you trying to communicate? Because that seems to be what we're all trying to do is communicate to say, look, I'm here. Here I am. Yeah. And but here's but, what I have to say. But does it need to be, uh, to, to your point there, does it need to be something more than, hey, I'm here? You know, I don't think it has to be. No. I think for a lot of artists, that's what they're saying, what they're communicating isn't much more than this is what's going on in my head at this time. I'm not trying to make a political statement. I'm not trying to rewrite history. Sure. I'm not trying to whatever it is. This is the thing that was in my head. And so I painted it or yeah. I got that woman over here and I took that picture. You know, yeah. that and, doesn't and mean anything more than that. Maybe, maybe the intent is to capture something inter- interesting, to photograph something interesting. That's the story. And, and the meaning that comes out of it is, yeah. is secondary. I don't know. Yeah. Also inter- interesting to you, not necessarily the audience. Absolutely. Yeah. There, uh, speaking of transformation, to wrap up this little conversation, there's an amazing version of uh, I Want You Back by the Jackson 5 by this band Lake Street Dive. Have you ever seen this? It's like no. this little jazz band standing on the corner of a street in somewhere in Boston doing this sort of jazzy hip version of I want you back with oh, like wow. this woman on bass and this guy on trumpet and this like amazing singer with really red lipstick on. And Can you put it in the show notes? Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Yep, there's a YouTube video. I'll put it in the show notes. And I was watching it the other day and it was giving me chills. Like wow. It was really good. Yeah. Put it in the show notes. Uh, so it's, it's just interesting, you know, like that here's a different take on something that we've all heard a thousand times, but it still totally works, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, anyway, good stuff. Uh, so this Norman Seif, uh, video that we talked about, we hinted at last week and we put a link in the show notes. Uh, Norman is the photographer who, when we were talking about Van Halen last week, uh, is the guy who finally shot the cover for uh, what was it? Women and children first. Women and children first. Yeah, front cover, back cover. What is the what is the big track on women, women and children first? What are what are the big ones on that? No idea. No idea. Without looking, I don't know. I always listen to Van Halen one and then 1984. I always miss Women and Children first. I got to go check that out. Uh, but uh, is it is it and the cradle will rock? Is that is that on there? Maybe I'll I'll, uh, I'll look it up. Talk amongst yourselves. Uh, uh, so, so he had this video that if you haven't watched, stop and go watch it. Cause it's really good. Uh, it's very good. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and wherein he talks about how he says he's not a photographer and he's not right. a filmmaker. Right. Uh, and, and the description he gives of himself is really long, which I can't quite remember, but it's exactly the words he used. But basically he's, he's sort of saying, my job is to facilitate creation. Yes. To to, to make the place. Uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a soil, like uh, you know, fruitful for for creation to take place mm-hmm. uh, between myself and the person in front of me. Right. The uh, photographs are almost a, a byproduct. Yeah. And in some ways you can, you can kind of tell, cause I mean, he's, he's definitely not a very technical photographer, right? He's, you know, he's, he's very much about, I want the person in front of the lens acting like themselves in some way, you know, uh, singing for a lot of the singers or playing or talking about their work. Uh, and, and, and I'm just going to shoot away as they do that. You know, uh, I think the best parts of that video were when they were, showing the footage from shoots in the past. Sure. 
Like the, the uh, Tina Turner shoot and Tina Turner thing, yeah. Yep. And like you know, uh, talking to Herbie Hancock and Will I Am and that kind of stuff. Uh, fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I wrote. Uh, let's you wrote see. some I notes. Have, I have some notes. I do have some notes. It's so funny you being on a mic that doesn't sound so up close. It's like I can hear the paper flipping. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. That's so cool. I'm going to start writing stuff on paper. Paper is the way to do it, man. That's where you take the trees and you cut them up and you mash them down and you dry it out, right? That That is true. <laughs> what do you got? That you is a true. Um, I thought I had... I don't know where I put it. All right, we'll find it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really like that... that his approach was to connect. Yeah. Yeah. His, his approach is, Oh, here it is. Uh, he focuses on the experience in the moment. Yep. Uh, creating beyond certainty and embracing the uncertainty. And he creates an environment of creative challenge. Yeah. Uh, but th- it all begins with, with comfort. He said yeah. In, yeah. in one part, because if, if you, if you start out challenging someone in your, in your, in your shoot, let's say keeping it to photography. Sure. The, you're not going to get honesty. And that's what he wants. He wants honesty. He wants yeah, truth. He, he wants honesty. And he, he almost speaks like a shaman. Do you yes. notice that? Like it's a very, it's a very metaphysical philosophical viewpoint of looking at it. You know, it's, it's not about taking pictures. It's just me and this person in the same room. And, and how do I get them to open up almost like a shrink would, you know? Um, I found I found all that interesting. I mean, but again, in a similar way to the Mammoth stuff, that he has a very specific way of of looking at it, which works for him, which he can explain, and you and I can nod and go, "Oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me." But we know plenty of other photographers that we've talked about who it's all about the confrontation that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, just different ways of going about it. You know, well, okay, for example. Uh, the, the Tina Turner shoot that he yep. was, that he was doing, he, and if you watch this guys, you'll, you'll see this. Uh, he, he's, he's got, uh, what looks to be a pretty simple, almost, uh, Annie Leibovitz kind of lighting setup where he's got like l- what looks like a big soft lighter. I think, th- I th- well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a soft box cause it's back in the day, but, but yeah, I mean, he just has like a little octobox on a pole that his mm-hmm. assistant is holding and that's the only light. Right. Uh, and he's, so he's got a gray background and he's yep. got her music playing in the yep. background yeah. and, and just has her kind of dancing and grooving to her own music. And he's asking her questions. And yeah. once in a while, he brings the camera up to his face. Click, click, click. Yeah. But then yeah. they're having a conversation. Yep. They're having a connection. Yep. Same thing with Herbie Hancock, yeah. which was a terrific conversation. Yeah. Uh, like the talking Herbie to Herbie. One. Yeah. Talking about bringing, you know, the, he, Herbie is recounting the story of, of, uh, uh, getting his first piano yeah. when when he was a boy, and and how amazed he was that you know they see it he sees it being unloaded off the truck and he says Mama who's who's that piano for, and his mama says you know that's that's for you it's for your birthday happy birthday kind of thing and yeah. and to, to 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 see that sort of moment of of honesty yeah uh, it wasn't a photographer and a subject that was two people having a conversation and sharing an experience. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that seems to be what 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 is core to Seif's uh, yeah. uh, style, if you will, shooting yeah. style. Yeah, I, I I will say that when I'm 
one-on-one with a subject, it, it, I try to have similar conversations with people. And that's kind of what I like, like doing is just sort of, let's just talk about what you're into and what you're, what you're thinking about, you know, so get them, get them out of the, the, the mode of sitting there being a subject, you know what I mean? Uh, or at least lessen that, 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 that awkwardness. Um, it's pretty, it's, yeah, he does it really well. And the, uh, uh, but it's interesting because I looked up the pictures of say the that he took of Will I Am in that particular shoot, mm-hmm. and uh, they're not particularly strong pictures. So the one thing about his mode of doing it is that it doesn't guarantee success. Well, nobody does. Well, no, of course nobody's does. But like, but him relinquishing control, he does lose a lot of control it it, it 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 the the dice have even more power which it can go in both directions you know it can go good and can go sure. bad which is really which which is totally i'm not saying it's wrong i'm just saying yeah. that, that there's a byproduct of it you know uh so it's it yeah it's interesting uh i i think that the whole idea of of the way he shoots versus I don't know, maintaining this sort of hierarchical, yeah, or yeah. hierarchical, you know, I'm in control, you're the subject. That doesn't work for me. I, I really like the this sort of experiential approach that he yeah, takes. Yeah. And, and again, that's that just goes to show you how many different ways there are to go about it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, it's, ah, it's so cool. But uh, th- so at the end of it, though, the cool thing that he does is that he meets all these artists, and then at the end he plays a, a five-minute little piece where he's talking to a bunch of uh, essentially rocket scientists who worked on all the Mars probe stuff, right. talking about how their ideas for how to get there and how to make the probe – uh, how to get the rover off the top of the lander and, and these kinds of sort of uh, inspirational moments of engineering – came out of nowhere. I think he uses the term quantum inspiration. Yep. Is that, is that the well, way he says? It's, it's, you know, it's this sort of Tony Robbins esque, you know, thoughts or things. Yeah. You know, ev- everything that's, everything that's around you started out as a thought. Yeah. 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 And he says, he says, you know, you thought of this, what on your birthday? He's like, yeah, when 2000 and now it's on Mars. Like you, you, you had an idea seven years ago or whatever it is, and now it's on another planet. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like, there's something pretty great about that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, we should probably talk about our sponsor before we go too far. Uh, you're going to do it, aren't you? No. Wait, you said you had a new thing. I had a new thing, but I don't have it with me. Oh, it was oh it's, a, it's, it's, I, it's a complicated thing. It's, I don't remember all this. I have it written down. Oh, and okay. I don't. Well, it's, we'll it's, on a, it's on a sheet of paper in front of my computer at home. Bastards. I don't know. We'll have to talk about it. Uh, that it was we'll very to- bad, though. It was, very, it was, a, very, <laughs> it was a very white, <laughs> middle class. It wasn't just the skill feed, huh? It was, it, 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 well, no. Okay. <laughs> it, it, turns out there wasn't much stank on it after all. <laughs> oh boy. Well, we're talking about Skillfeed again, people. Uh, you know, what Skillfeed? Look, it's an, it's not Skillfeed is an online marketplace for educational content. Uh, they're all all you can learn platform supports multidisciplinary skill learning and sharing with a monthly subscription. You know, you got you got to learn new stuff all the time to stay ahead. Uh, they've got fresh video tutorials that teach you either at a cursory glance fresh. 
or in-depth look at a variety of topics, and they hand-select contributors that include passionate industry professionals and experts from around the world. Uh, they've got all kinds of content, instructional videos to help you hone your skills, advance your career, or embark on a new vocational path. Uh, tutorials range from comprehensive courses to skill snacks. I like the skill snacks. It's yeah, like they're tasty, snacks. aren't they? Yeah, they are. Uh, they're, they're like vanilla Oreos. Uh, comprehensive courses are longer in length, of course, uh, cover a subject from beginning to end and will allow you to learn an entirely new skill while skill snacks are short video tutorials that teach quick tips and tricks. Uh, they got subjects include photography, of course, uh, design 3d and motion graphics. So if you, you want to get into motion and, and after effects and premiere, you can do that, uh, video, audio, business, web development, and more. Uh, so they've got 65,000 video tutorials according to this, but it's even more, right? If you actually, uh, go there, what, how many did we figure out there actually are now? Cause this is 70 something wrong. thousand, I think. Yeah. 71,859 according to the current list, uh, tutorials ranging from comprehensive courses to these, of course, uh, uh, previously mentioned skill snacks. So go browse their tutorials by subject and topic categories. If a course tic- course tickles your fancy, you can read the tutorial description, learn about the instructor, preview 30 seconds of the video to get a quick snapshot of what it's all about. Uh, it's usually a seven-day free trial, but for listeners of On Taking Pictures, they're offering a 30-day free trial, which is great. Go play with it for 30 days. See if it's what you what you need. Learn a whole bunch of new stuff in the process. So to get access to tutorials, sign up at skillfeed.com slash OTP. That's skillfeed.com slash OTP uh, for a free 30-day trial. Thank you very much to Skillfeed for supporting 5x5 and On Taking Pictures. Uh, okay. So what else we got here? You want to talk about the Apple stuff? I know you do. Uh, sure. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of a big day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I mean, to me, the watch thing is the watch thing. Uh, I, I, I reserve judgment until I see one and play with one, but I, at the moment do not have any need to put another thing on me that I have to charge every night. Well, that's, you know, that's, that's the thing to not only charge every night, but it's just another screen to look at. Yeah. Uh, I, I want less of this stuff, not more. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was, that means we're really getting old. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I, I'm, uh, I'm going to be talking to John Keatley for, uh, an upcoming craft and vision show. Sure. And he and I were talking yesterday, just kind of having a, a chat touching base and, uh, you know, we we were talking about this a little bit, and and he kind of was in the same camp of like, do do we really need another screen to look at? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, we, we spend as photographers, as as writers of code, as Photoshop people, you spend a lot of your time looking either through a viewfinder or at the back of a screen yeah. or at a monitor. Do you need something else? And even my Apple's, phone, I don't. E- I don't even have a lot of no- notifications on. Like I don't. I yeah. look at it if I want to see it. I don't have it talking to me. You know. I. Uh, you know. Is it a gorgeous piece of engineering? Sure, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems weird that we've we've spent how many years getting people not to wear watches and use their phone for everything, and now <laughs> now we're going to well, go back to you. another thing to sell. You know. I don't know. I, I think it's beautiful. It's a it's a gorgeous piece of engineering. Uh, I don't like the interface, if I'm being honest. I, 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 the whole pinch to zoom yeah. on a tiny screen like that, I think, is going to be uh, challenging. Yeah, or the the whole you know tapping. Uh, I do like the new the new uh, MacBook. That looks pretty gorgeous. I like the look of it. The uh, the the 
a few things scare me a little bit. Apparently, the keyboard has very little travel on it. Like right. It they've, they've developed a new butterfly mechanism. Yeah, it's so thin that there's no room to even click the trackpad, which I will tell you, using any other trackpad without the click on it, like you know, using the tap to, to, to click mm-hmm. thing, I've always it always drove me nuts. So I will say that it worries me, and it worries me that they moved that trackpad even into the Mac, the other MacBooks. Doesn't it have? Uh, I, I thought it had some sort of haptic, haptic feedback. Yeah, it buzzes apparently in some way when you click. Hmm. Hmm. But it's like you know what? Here's the thing: Do these really need to be thinner? Is the MacBook Air really too thick? You know, <laughs> like make a twelve book MacBook, twelve inch MacBook Air. Keep the bezel really small. Still, let me click the damn, you know. The, the the trackpad it's okay and use the space for like a little more battery i don't know like I, there does seem to be a little obsession with with thin the same and thing again with the phone. I, I love the engineering behind it i think it's fascinating that they that they develop new uh manufacturing techniques for yeah. for making these things and if you look at the the there's a a, a hero shot on apple.com where they show the actual logic board that is yeah, the it's, computer it's as big it's like the same size as the one in the phone yes it's tiny, which is kind of nuts that they can. And the it. rest of it is just battery. Yeah, there's, there's an SSD, and then the rest is this terraced battery. And again, the fascinating battery technology. Fascinating that they're that they're creating these types of things. Um, I just don't know that that more stuff is yeah. is what we need. Well, let, let me ask you one last question. As a, as a computer dork who's been around this stuff for years and years and years, does it bother you that they've removed all the ports from this thing? Like there's not even a, um, an accessible USB port that you can just plug something into. You have to have a dongle. Yeah, a little bit, especially Does since – make you pay for the dongle? <laughs> yeah. Apple – Apple proprietary Apple hardware is notoriously more expensive than, than the industry standards, let's say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if, if other people adopt this and it becomes an industry standard, okay, well, yeah. maybe there's something. But – at the moment, a single proprietary... Well, it's not a proprietary port. That's a standard port. It's just no one uses it yet. Okay, no one uses it yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but you then, know, maybe if, if the adoption gets wide enough... You know what I would like to see? Yeah. A MagSafe headphone jack. Oh, so so it clicks in but doesn't pull out? Right. So if you if you get your headphone cable stuck on something, it doesn't... It just, it just pops off. And that would be an adapter that you click onto a normal eighth-inch jack? No, just just make start making headphones with, oh, with MagSafe ends. Yeah. yeah, I mean that is, is the only that is the only other port thing. on that thing, isn't it? Yeah. I will tell you that like if if we bought one of those to replace Conrad's MacBook Air from three or four years ago, um, you know the idea that we need an adapter to plug in her USB mic, you right. know, to do a podcast. Come on, it's a laptop that has no USB ports that you just plug stuff into. It's it's you know? gorgeous. Honestly, yeah. it feels a little underpowered right out of the gate. Uh, is, is CPU is supposed to be not bad, right? So I think it's one. Is it one point four? Yeah, but it zooms Broadway. up to two point four when it needs to. Uh, and it, you know, it's got a two hundred fifty six gig SSD, eight gigs of RAM. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be editing fifty megapixel files on it, right? But for somebody who just does. It's you a know. beautiful device. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It's uh, what else? They dropped the price of Apple TV. Yeah. So who knows? And the, the what about the HBO thing? Just as a quick aside. 
Oh, I didn't hear much about it. What does they have 15, HBO 15, Go now 15, or something? Fifteen dollars a month, you can watch HBO. Huh? Apple exclusive for the time being. No kidding. Yeah. Ah. I mean, I, I don't know what. It, what do you get with HBO that you don't get on Prime? You get Game of Thrones. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, what's yeah. On you HBO get all the now. new stuff too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, just interesting. I, I, it'll be fun to play with one of those things when it's actually done. Yeah, I'd like to see the touch. The keyboard, yeah, you know, see yeah, the, yeah. The, how 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 it feels because that's been the big criticism by journalists so far is is the lack of travel. It's almost like typing on a touchpad. Yeah, it's uh, I just it's it's this this weird almost obsessive need to make things smaller, lighter, and thinner to me. That just mm-hmm. it's like it's okay. I liked the iPhone four when it had a little heft and it felt like it was you know it had weight to it. I don't know. Sure, I'm I'm but. Uh, I'm an old fuddy-duddy now. This is what happens when you turn 40. Uh, you know what else happens? People who uh, run the World Press Photo Prize apparently stop liking young Turks who actually uh, make their pictures up in the process. What happened? So well, you gotta you gotta play by the rules, man. What what, what happened here? Uh, I read the article, but apparently, the, 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 if, if this is the one I'm thinking of, it was the photo was not taken. Where, Serendipitously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and again, it's, it, you know, if you're going to enter these things, read the fine print. Yeah. Is this the same uh, uh, same uh, awards that we talked about a few weeks ago where they were kicking people out for manipulating their photos? I was think it so. Photo? I it, think was it, it was. World Press? Wow. Uh, so let's see. Um the controversy erupted last week and was more focused on a photo in which Mr. Troilo had photographed his cousin having sex with a woman in the back of a car using a remote-controlled flash to illuminate the steamy back seat. By putting a flash in the car, critics had said Mr. Troilo effectively staged the photo, violating the rules of the contest. I would probably argue that that's true. Wouldn't uh, you? It seems like it. If I mean, you put a flash in the car, they must have known the flash was in there, and they he said, "Go have sex," and I'm going to take a picture of you guys. Right. You know. Yeah, I, that's I can't not, imagine. That's not photojournalism. Yeah, I don't. Doesn't seem like it, does it? No, but I'm sure. Again, that you know, read the rules. Play yeah, by the yeah, rules. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't if 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 you if you're if you're going to break the rules of these contests and then you get disqualified, well. Yeah, maybe you had it coming. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's you know, it's I do wonder if the line between journalism and art photography over the years will be blurred, and the people who take it, and I'm not saying this is the a good thing necessarily, but that some of the people uh, who are the the rule makers, it'll be the same thing as does it really matter that I spelled this word correctly in this poem that I wrote? You're just being, uh, 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 you know, literary Nazis, you know, to, to, to make a point, you know what I'm no, saying? No. Like, like the same people, the same people who argue, you know, if, if this, if your sentence structure isn't correct, this is bad poetry. And some beat poet would say, it doesn't matter as long as it gets across what I want it to get across. So sure. I wonder if the line between documentary photography and, and photojournalism and art photography will blur over time with the younger generations. Uh, I don't know. See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I I just, hope- you know, as another note, if if you're going to like 
have sex in a car in a parking lot somewhere, why would you leave all the lights on? Well, I think that's where the flash comes from. Oh, the lights in the front. Yeah, like the, and, the headlights are on. The looks like the brake lights are on, or the tail lights. So yeah. Are on. So who's 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 pressing the brake? Uh. <laughs> Whoa! Hey yo! <laughs> hey yo! <laughs> I think that might be a show title. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who's pressing the brakes? Yeah. Good. Uh, so uh, one last thing I found here. Uh, I have to uh, do a shoot with my friend in a couple of days where I have to take pictures of water splashing. Okay. Oh yeah. Sorry. I spelled it wrong. Uh, and, and when you, so for those of you who don't know how this works, who aren't big flash users, uh, different flashes have different durations where the flash is actually bright and, and lighting stuff up. Right. Uh, most cameras have a limit to how fast their shutter speed can be and still use a flash uh, with them. And so for example, on my camera, it's generally like a 200th of a second. Now, if, if I took a, a picture without a flash at 200th of a second of water th- flying through the air, whatever it is, it would not be very sharp. But what you can do with flashes is open the shutter up essentially, but have it stop down enough so that the ambient light's not adding anything to the exposure. And then you pop a flash and you can freeze stuff in midair. And this is how they do, you know, dance photography and, and, and strobe photography of water, like all the, the classic shot of the drop of milk blopping up mm-hmm. and that whole thing and okay. guns, okay. Uh, bullets going through apples, you know, like whatever those things are. Right. Um, but the, the time at which when you say flash the flash and the flash gets the full power and then comes back down is different on different flashes at different power settings. So you can use, for example, the standard say alien bees that I use or most sort of standard pro photo speedatron stuff that you've had for years are generally fairly slow flash times. So even if you use a flash to try to catch something in midair, there's going to be a little bit of blur just because the flash is almost lighting up the subject for longer than you want it to. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, I have to do some stuff with this water. So I was trying to figure out uh, what I what I need and, and how fast the strobes that I actually have are. And I found this fascinating uh, little blog post by a guy named D- uh, Andy Gock. Gock. Okay. Would, you sell, would you say Gock? Yeah. G-O-C-K? Probably, yeah. Okay. Anyway, it's called Actual Measured Flash Durations of Small Speed Light Strobes. And and he created this little uh, um, uh, uh, electronic circuit with, with, with an input and an output, basically measuring the intensity, the, the, the speed of the flashes. And he made charts of this flash at full power, at half power, at quarter power, is this long of a second or this many microseconds. And it's fascinating because most people assume that at full power, it's going to be a longer flash and at lower power, you can get these faster flashes, you know, but in many cases it wasn't true. Uh, uh, for example, the, 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 uh, the, there were some like bronze color lights that were actually faster at full power than they were at quarter power. And, and yeah, and so see on. those are the ones that Carl uses. Actually, he uses fancier bronze colors than these. These are like, the, this is sort of the low end, uh, uh, bronze. Oh colors. yeah. Yeah. No, he doesn't. The, use the high end ones, uh, there are high-end lights, especially by Braun Color and some of the newer uh, pro photos that are sort of designed for fast mm-hmm. speed, uh, including the the Buff Einstein, of which I have one, which if you look down this chart, 
there's there's two modes that it can work in constant color mode which in which the white balance is dead on or action mode in which it, it sacrifices some some white balance like the color of the light for super speeds and you can see like at 16th you know eighth or 16th power it's down to you know one six thousandth one seven thousandth of a second where if you had in constant color mode it would be one two thousandth of a second so it's like three or four times faster uh strobe thing when you have it in action mode anyway and then what what would you do you would just correct the white balance after yeah is, that, well, is, it, is it that simple yeah it, it can be although it, it generally what it does is it changes like if you had it in action mode and you bump the power up or down the the white balance will shift not like from shot to shot but like if you kept popping at the same power level in action mode, yeah, you could put a gray card in there and figure out what it is. I mean, it's not going to be like drastically off. It's not going to look like a tungsten light in a daylight balance or something like that. But it, it'll it, be a few hundred K in either direction. Just just for my own sort of yep, edification. edification. <laughs> why does that happen? Uh, you know what? That's a good question. I don't know the physics of that. I'm sure it has something to do with the way the the gases in the flash tube release their power you know mm. uh, but i mean why is it why is it not constant on say the the einstein whereas it is constant on the bronze color is it uh, is it just the you know level of components question. that are being used uh, it could be or it might actually shift on the bronze color too that i don't know about cuz i don't do this kind of photography all that often so mm-hmm. you know, I'll have to do some research and get back to you next week on an answer. Okay. On that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm just curious. What yeah, the, it is interesting. Kind of the but, physics behind it. But I think that there is some sort of give and take. Like you can't really have both. You know, where it's like dead on color and dead on speed. You know, you sort of have to. I think there's a little gray area there, but I could you get be a wrong. massage in one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah you know, you <laughs> give up one for the other. But uh, the thing that I found interesting is that if you look right above where the Einstein is, they talk about like this alien, these alien bees, which are fastest at full power. You see that it's kind of mm-hmm, interesting, mm-hmm. and but they're still pretty slow. They are, you know, one quarter or, or four times slower than the, than the action shots, or eight times slower than the action shots on the Einstein. So I can't really use my alien bees to to add in any more light if I needed another light. However, if you scroll up, you can see that the like Nikon SB80 at eighth power is one four thousandth of a second. It's pretty fast. Wow, so yeah. if if I could get a little tiny uh, speed light close enough at eighth or 16th power just to add a little kick on an edge or what have you. I could use those to supplement the Einstein without getting another one. You know what I mean? Sure. I just thought it was interesting, really technical, weird stuff. But if you're at all into strobes or flashes and want to learn a little bit more about this stuff and want to, you know, freeze action, uh, this is the kind of stuff you have to think about, and I, I find it fascinating. Interestingly enough, um, my friend Alex Arasati, who I did those eight by tens with at his studio, whatever it was last year, uh, was talking to me the other day about how he wanted to use. He's got some old studio strobes made by Comet and some other company, and apparently their flash duration is so long that you can essentially use them for high speed sync, where the flash would be going would be on and constant through the entire exposure of the slit across the frame at high shutter speeds. Oh, wow. But the hard part is actually getting the timing right. But if you have a uh, Nikon flash with high-speed sync mode on it and a PC jack on it, you can actually plug the big flash into the PC jack on the 
Nikon strobe and actually slave it off of there. And apparently some people have made it work. So hmm. there's like all these crazy sort of things that people are doing. And, and what would you, what would you shoot with that? What, what would be uh, the, an well, example of, of uh, what you'd use well, that for? You, a lot of people use high speed sync to, for example, uh, they want to use a flash and they want to cut down ambient, but they don't want to stop down the lens. So I want to take a picture of you on the beach in the daytime, but I want the sky to be dark. Well, I can't. Oh, okay. So you could have a wide open lens. You could be shooting at f two or something like that. Mm-hmm. Use a one five thousandth of a second, you know, uh, shutter speed, so that it's pretty dark. But also use a flash to light up in the foreground. Okay. But normally, if you did that with with a regular speed light, the speed light would only be going off for part of the time that that the the screen the picture was getting exposed. So mm-hmm. you would get like this like a strip of black or strip of light light across the frame, but not for all of it. But his strobes are so slow going back to the Mm. speed stuff that if you time it right, they will be on for the entire time that the exposure is being made and sort of like you're, it's, it's, it's a hack, you know, Mm -hmm. these Mm -hmm. are, these are strobe hacks, but a lot of people you'll see high speeds, but little tiny, um, speed lights now have this mode where at really low power, they just pulse, they go like that, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. So they, they can do the same thing by doing this high speed sync. It's called, Basically, it's just pulsing the light so it's on sort of constant while you're doing all this, but at lower power. So anyway, all interesting, nerdy stuff. Not so what, does, it, does it give the effect of almost like using ND filters where the, yes, where the, the background it, is, is like a couple stops back? Yeah, you could use – right. You could use ND filters to to pull down the whole scene and then – but then if you do that, you need even more flash power in uh, order okay. To, okay. To, to get the foreground the way you want. So you may have to carry like huge giant lights – where with high speed sync you could do that with a little tiny speed light, you know. Huh. Uh, neat. Yeah, it's neat stuff. And and if anybody's got that stuff and wants to comment or play, uh, write us in the group and uh, we'll we'll have discussions. Maybe I'll I'll look into the whole constant color thing next week and we can discuss. Sure. Uh, so how do people do on the assignment that we've given twice? People love the golden hour. Yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> apologies. We we did that one before, um, but. It doesn't matter because, geez, there are some fantastic things up there. Uh, Lance Long, terrific portrait or or shot of of morning light in Chicago with the reflections coming off the lake. Um, There is uh, Christian Egger. uh, I'm just flipping through these. Um, You know what? You can't go wrong at the golden hour. Yeah. Han Mao. A lot of new people posting. So thank you guys and welcome aboard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter Mello, Shipyard Park. Wow, that's really pretty. Looks like the sky's on fire. Um, yeah, just some really good stuff. And you know, maybe we can we can talk about some of these again. If you want to, if you want us to talk about your stuff on the on the show, um, put yeah, it in the crit wall section. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gardner, beautiful shot. Uh, nice use of of the the foreground tree branch to kind of give some perspective on that on that farmhouse shot. Yeah, yeah, really nice. I, I like that one by Charles St. Cloud with the, fittingly enough, the the crazy clouds in the background over. Yep. Uh, where is that? Oh, it looks. I was going to say it's a city, but if it's a city, it's far away from a city. Because you could just see like little skyline in the in the in the distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, pr- yeah, totally cool. Really good uh, stuff. So thank you guys. Keep them coming. These I are, like these David Gardner's Golden Hour. I got lazy. It's a picture of a watch. <laughs> yeah, it's a gold, it's a gold watch. Yeah, he's a wise guy, Gardner. 
uh, who else? Cody Downs, Jeff Green, yeah. um, Mitch, good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I do like that Charles St. Cloud shot. Um, uh, Michael Hendrickson, thank you for posting the shot of, uh, of you with, uh, with Chris Pratt and Chris Evans. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cap Captain America and, 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 uh, Peter Quill. Can't so go res- wrong. Respect. Um, yeah, good stuff. So this week, uh, you got this, what do you, what do you, what do you got? Uh, I, so I was just thinking it might be fun, uh, to, 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 instead of making it a technique or a time, uh, talk about a place and, and the, the, the hashtag is somewhere new. So like the idea is if you live in a city, go to some area of the city you've never been to before because I'm sure there is one. And yeah, you, you know you've meant to go there wherever there is. Yeah. You know, it's like I, I find myself a lot of times I'll go on, uh, you know, shoots for work and it'll be somewhere in the Bronx or somewhere out in Queens or somewhere. It's like, man, I've lived in New York for 15 years and I've never been here. Hmm. You know, I've never been anywhere near here. That's and it's crazy. just a subway right away. Yeah, 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 you know it's it's yeah. a it's a two, it's a uh, you know two dollar and fifty cent ride away, and I've just I've never been here. I've you know I've been to Japan and and Europe and everywhere else, but I've never been to this part of Brooklyn. You know, right? Uh, so it's it's kind of a, a a fun thing to do. So yeah, somewhere new is the hashtag. Good. Some something different. Peter uh, Mello, that's a great shot too. Yeah, people do good work. Yeah. You sound down, downtrodden by no. It's just it's so inspiring. You guys do such good work. It just it makes me want to shoot more. And I, I have been shooting a little bit more, but uh, I, I need to do more. So keep them coming, guys, because you're you're inspiring me to go. Oh, simple railing. Look at that, Dan Hawk. Mm, good stuff, Dan. Okay, so uh, yep. somewhere new, something new, somewhere new, somewhere new, somewhere new. Sorry, I missed is that. All right. Yeah, it's great. Somewhere okay. new. Somewhere new is where it's at. Uh, Photographer of the Week, somebody sent this in. What do you got? Photographer of the Week. Uh, This is uh, Leonard Freed. Another Magnum guy. Another Magnum guy. Um, Are we going to run out of Magnum guys eventually? Eventually, I think we we might. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But this is is more good stuff. I mean, I, I, I hesitate to call him a street photographer. I mean, would this be photojournalism? Is this reportage? What this is, oh, yeah, I don't know yeah. what you call it. I don't know what you'd call it, but it's fantastic. Work. I think a it's a little eye. bit of all of those things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's obviously there at some historic moments, this yeah. historic moment. Uh, but, but at the same time, there are also a lot of, you know, shots on the street during the, right. you know, Israel in 67 and yeah. war, war shots. And there's some fine artwork in here. Uh, uh, there's some, some photojournalism, uh, the shot that, Hmm, where was the shot that, that I like the couple naked in bed with the dog. Where was See that one? shot? That one's yeah. Cool. The kids, the kids with the, uh, uh, with the, with the, the, the fire plug. That was, that was what was sent in suggesting. Oh him. yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. also like the one of the two acidic Jews sitting, talking while they're doing the, I uh, got, I forget the name of the dance, like blurred behind him. Cause the, all the guys are doing the dance. Yeah. Uh, that's a great shot. Yeah. There's some this really guy, cool yeah, stuff in here. Stuff. Definitely, uh, inspired. Oh God, this shot from Sicily in 74 where it's like different levels on the street. Cause of the way the lights hitting it, it feels right, like this right. crazy. That that to me feels very sort of next generation Carte Bresson, you know, like like he saw Carte Bresson and took it a step further. Uh, 
Yeah, that's good I, I stuff. love this work. Uh, this reminds some of this stuff reminds me of the stuff that Jim Mortram's doing for Small Town Inertia. Okay, uh, yeah, good stuff. Just intimate, you know, honest, like the, getting in there and photographing life as it happens. Man, I, that, I, that picture hmm. of the baby in the carriage with the snake on the street freaks me out, though. A little bit, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I was made to watch as a quick aside. I was made to watch. I had never seen Conan the Barbarian. Oh, really? The original. Yeah. And some friends came over the other night and made us watch it. And uh, what a fascinating, like a strange movie. I, maybe it would mean more to me if I had seen it in 1982 or whatever, when I was seven well, or eight he, years old. He, Schwarzenegger's coming back. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's going to do the art thing again, right? Or the movie thing again. No, he's coming back as Conan. As Conan? Yes. As like a 68-year-old Conan? Yes. That's not a good idea. I don't know if that's a good idea. Imagine, how is he going to get back into shape to look like that anymore, you know? Prosthetics? Yeah. CG? I don't know. Maybe. Did you see the, 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 the Terminator Genesis trailer where they've got like the young... The young Arnold as as another Terminator. He's he's standing there shirtless, and they've got the young Arnold uh, CG superimposed on on the other body kind yeah. of thing. And the, and the, and the and the younger one said, "I came back." <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, anyway, so yeah, anyway, Leonard, Leonard Freed is, is really a, good stuff. Uh, died uh, two thousand six, so he he uh, you know was was around. He's. I mean, there's pictures in here from two thousand four. So the dude was shooting. All the way until the end, you know? What is this YouTube clip? I didn't see this YouTube clip. Uh, it was, it's a, a video, which I watched part of, and there's a part two that you kind of got to get to, where he is, it's uh, pictures from his... Uh, oh, it's his contact sheets. Oh, yeah, which, wow. which I know you love. I do love the contact sheets. And, go and, buy Magnum contact sheets. If you guys don't have that book, go buy it. Well, the, the, one of the fascinating things about this is that he talks about, in, in one quote that I heard, uh, how contact sheets are his and photographs are take on a life of their own. But since hmm. most people don't see his contact sheets, they're still his personal thing. Even if he then, you know, grease pencils around one of the images and that right. one becomes something people see, the, the contact sheet is still his. Right, right. Which Love I thought it. was actually a kind of a, a neat way of, of talking about it. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so there's these. there's a part one and a part two. I think they're, oh, okay. they're yeah, short. Part they're two's only, right, right below it. They're five or six minutes long. There's a few videos of his on uh, on YouTube. So if you're into this kind of stuff... Uh, definitely go check those out. Yeah, I will watch these after we finish. All right. Uh, you got anything else to say? Or are we going to keep this one uh, short? We're at uh, an hour five. Yeah, let's 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 wrap it up. I'll be back for the, I'll be okay. back home for hey, the next one. What do you think about doing a Q and A next week? We haven't done one in months. Let's do one. Okay. What so, do you think, kids? Q and A. So if uh, if you have any questions for us, send us an email at podcast at ontakingpictures dot com. Or uh, I'll put a post up in the group that people can comment on. Yep. Or uh, send them to us uh, on Twitter, uh, at Bill Wadman and at Jeffrey Sidoris, E-R-Y-S-S-D-D-O-R-I-S on Try Twitter. S-A-D-D, not S-S-D. You're thinking I'm a hard drive. Did I say S-S-D? S-S-D-D. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, it's the D-D-1-R, double D-1-R. I'm, I'm quick. Uh, and uh, Or, of course, always, uh, leave us a voicemail, which is actually kind of fun because if you keep it to be you know, a 30-second question, we can actually cut it into the show and have a little audio question. That's 347-687-9411. Don't worry. We won't pick up. 
you just leave a voicemail. Uh, right. Once again, 347-687-9411. And uh, I think that that should take care of us. I think so. I, th- I think it's, it is now time for me to go to Pip's Donuts oh, and yeah. uh, get myself some dirty woos and some chai and then go wander around this, uh, this fair city of Portland. Let me tell you something. Uh, Sergeant Wu is the best part of that show. Well, it, it's certainly not uh, – what's her name? Uh, uh, the main girl, the guy's yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. She's a pretty girl though. She's just I don't like the character. Oh, and I okay. don't like Addison. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Adeline, you mean? Adeline. Adeline. That's yeah. her name. Do you wait, do you like Monroe's girl? Like uh, uh what are Oh girl? yeah, yeah, she's terrific. Yeah, she's cute. Yeah. Uh, and Monroe. Monroe's a great character. <laughs> Monroe's a f- like yeah, he's the best character on the show, but Wu kind of makes adds the little spice that makes the show fun. Yeah, he's definitely the comic relief. I like it's, I like It's not him. a bad show. I like it. We're yeah. talking about Grimm, guys. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. yeah, talking about Grimm. Grimm is shot up in Portland, and the Pips Donuts has a donut named after uh, the the character on the show. Yes, because uh, the actor Reggie and Nate, the owner of Pips, are very good friends. He seems like he'd be a nice guy. That actor. He seems like just based upon his character, he seems like he'd probably be pretty nice in in person. Doesn't he? Yeah, I think so yeah. too. Uh, All right, so go watch some Grimm. Go watch some YouTube videos. Uh, I'll go. I'm going to go out and shoot. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to eat donuts and shoot. And I'm going to do some research on fast strobe times, and we will come back next week uh, on Tuesday. See you. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, everyone.